everybody and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 149. As always, I'm one of your hosts. I'm coming to you live from Berlin, Germany. My name is Alexander Holland. And as always, again as well, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod partner way down there in Melbourne, Australia. He's got to be the one called John Maloney. John Maloney. What do you think of the band name of U2? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I have solid quest. Solid quest. Yeah, solid quest. Quest. What's your feeling towards you two? T S T C H. Uh, look, I have fondness, great fondness for some of their early work. Oh yeah. And I used to listen to them when I was younger and really like those. You know, where the streets have no name and all oh, those sorts great. of things. Joshua Tree, great album. Oh, Joshua Tree. What an album. And Got it on vinyl. Then. Over there in the in my little uh, record shelf. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Great stuff. The Edge. Bono. Yes. Then, then they went a little bit kind of. Adam Clayton, I think is his bass player's name. <laughs> oh, there you go. Then they went a little bit kind of Coldplay-ish and sort of went. Let's just keep doing reverby guitars and not really think as much about our lyrics. Uh, and Bono seems like kind of a bit of a show pony, but that's fine. I mean, he's a he's allowed to be. He's a rock star. So look, I you know, someone said I got free tickets to you too. I'd say yeah, I'll have them. Do you know you love the song? Beautiful day. It's sort of in between. It goes. It's gone from that, from that late nineties. Uh, so they've got Joshua Tree's eighties, then Zeropa yep. and Zeropa. The I think it was an album called Pop something, and mm-hmm. then I think two thousand is the next is the album that has Beautiful Day on it. Do you know song Beautiful Day? Yeah, I do. Can I, you? I um don't look up the lyrics because that's the bit. Yeah. Okay. I won't <laughs> look up the lyrics. Because the no. fun thing... I, I remember some of them. Do you know? Because it goes, it's a beautiful day to let him yeah. get away. away. Beautiful Touch day. Me. There you go. Take me to that other place. Yes. Teach me. No, you can't. That's right. So this is going to be yeah. fun. This is going to be a fun thing for you to raise at a, okay. dinner, at a dinner party. <laughs> For this weekend, you can say to yep. you can say to people, you can if the conversation drops, just say, "Hey, do you guys know Beautiful Day by You Two?" And everyone's going to go, mm-hmm. everyone's going to go, of "Yeah, of course we do. We love that song." And they're going to be like, "Of course we know it." And then you're going to go, yeah. "Do you know that that song contains the word tuna, as in tuna fish?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then crickets at the dinner party. <laughs> Since just, since just <laughs> face palming. <laughs> Not the beautiful day tuna bit again. Because yeah, I think exactly. I've done the, I've said this to people before. It's the only just thing I say to people. Jacinta. Do yeah. you, because everybody always, it doesn't seem like a song that should have tuna fish mm, in it. No, it does not. Did you, do you know, you, do you know where that comes in? Do you, it's first of all, do you believe day. me? Yeah, of course. 
Of course. Uh, I mean, it's a very, it's an inconceivable thing to make up. It's a beautiful day to eat some tuna fish. I can't imagine where it comes into the lyrics. No. That's the thing. This is why, yeah. this is why it's so good. There's like, a reference to oil fields. Yes, I'm getting in here the, you go. my memory See, of the lyrics. You're getting close. See, this mm-hmm. is the thing. It's in the bridge. Maybe the fields of fish oil. <laughs> it's, it's about taking fish oil as, a, as you age. You yeah. know, this is the thing. And this is why it's such a good thing is because people feel like, I know the song. And then you say, you know Beautiful Day, how he's talking about not letting it get away. Did you yeah. know that has the word tuna in it? And people go, no, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? No, it doesn't. So in the, bri- <laughs> in the bridge, it goes, yeah. and you close, in the bridge, it goes, see the world in green and blue, see China right in front of you, see mm. the canyons broken by a cloud, see the tuna fleets clearing the seas out. Oh, wow. So right. the, the word tuna in, that, in the bridge see context, that makes sense. But it's so fun mm. to say to people because you're like, <laughs> what are they talking about? They don't eat cans of tuna. In Beautiful yeah. Day. They're not having John West salmon. What are you talking about? And you're going to make so many friends at the dinner party <laughs> talking about. That's great. Because people will be like, I don't believe you. And then you'll show them. Mm. You, you can even say to them, don't believe me? Sing the bridge. And they probably will go, oh, yeah, I think I know the bridge. It goes from, it goes, I know I'm not a hopeless case. And then, and then they'll go, I guess, what does it go? It goes, see the world in green and blue. And then they'll go, oh. See the tuna <laughs> fleets clearing the sea out. See the tuna. I, I probably just sang absentmindedly. See the tuna fish. Yeah, I mean, the that's, sea I think out. I did as well, actually. Yeah, see the tuna yeah. fish. Uh, clearing at the, the sea of in the clearing the, the sea of whatever they ate. Or you see the, <laughs> see the tuna see the tuna fish in the bottom mm. of your salad bowl. See the yeah. tuna fish what at the bottom he, of your salad bowl. Is he annoyed bowl? at the uh, at overfishing? No, I he's talking about the he's talking about the beauty of the world. You two, mm. you two's but clearing the sea. Out. And so he says, so he the- wants the seas cleared. <laughs> he's saying it's. I love watching the fleets get rid of those disgusting tuna. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I love. He gets. He lays the boot into the Japanese, where he says, right. like overfishing. I don't even know if the Japanese do the, do the Japanese overfish tuna. They certainly do some pretty questionable they things. Do to other whales. things. Yeah. I don't know. I think we probably Australia probably overfishes yeah. tuna. Yeah, but I think, um, I think um, I think my I have relatives that are very involved in that industry. Oh yeah, the old <laughs> South Australian the old tuna, South Australian tuna, the tuna coin. My dad's been on several uh, tuna trawlers. I think they're called. It's but, quite a thing, isn't it? That that people might be interested in that, that you know you go to one of the most isolated parts of the world. And there's just mansions there because people have tuna fortunes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Port Lincoln tuna fortunes. Yeah. Um, and, all, and, and, all, a lot of obvi- and also, quite strangely as well, a lot of people from the former Yugoslavia emigrated to mm. Port Lincoln and brought fishing know-how with them. So there's all these, oh. like, Croatians in Port Lincoln with yeah. huge McMansions. It's quite an hmm. odd... It's quite an odd. Uh, mm. It's quite an. That odd, reminds me of Cooperpedi. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're, they're, um, does Cooperpedi mm. have for for anybody who doesn't know? Maybe just give them a little bit of. Cooperpedi's sure. a pretty weird fucking place. It's a very strange place. I recommend if you're in South Australia having a look at it because it's 
such a kind of otherworldly, peculiar place because basically there's opals there and mm. people at some point discovered opals in the ground which are pretty much just pressurized glass that then gets opalescent, you know, gets these beautiful colors in it. And then they started mining it because you can make beautiful jewelry out of it and other things. And then for some reason, all of these people from the former Yugoslavia came down and mm. settled in Cupipedi and began trying to seek their fortune mm. with opals. This is quite relatively recently, I guess. And Cupipedi, and- for anybody who doesn't, who's not Australian, is... In South Australia, it's basically like so hot. It's like living on Mars. And yeah, and and it's so there's just nothing around it. It's desolate. You, you you drive in. I, I remember driving in a couple of years ago. I went there for the first time, and you see these little mounds everywhere, thousands and thousands and thousands of little mounds because people. It's quite cheap to just. You spend a few thousand bucks, you get a plot, you dig down and see if you can find opals. So people have just been trying their luck for years, and they live famously in underground houses there so they yeah. have like pubs and houses it's a kind of other it's like an alternate universe hobbiton <laughs> except that it, part of what makes it interesting is that the people from the former yugoslavia some of them brought their kind of internecine rivalries from <laughs> that part of the world to kubapedi which always just seems so strange to me because it's this version of nationalism which is completely out of context. Like you're in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and there's And there's like a Serbian Orthodox church underground. And, and then they started fighting over opal plots, I guess. And one of the, maybe the Croatian club got blown up. <laughs> and there was all these kind of stories of, of crazy opal miners going apeshit in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And it became this. It sound it all sounded very kind of Mad Maxy. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, I recommend. I mean, it's settled down now because nobody made that much money out of it, and the people that did didn't stay in Kubapedi. So it's pretty pretty chill these days. But go down and uh, have a look before we go Show on sponsors Kubapedi <laughs> Area Council. <laughs> I didn't know opalescent was a word. Yeah, it's a nice word, isn't it? Um, and Kubapedi, which I love, it's it's uh, a phrase in the local Aboriginal language, which means oh. something like "white man in a hole," because the <laughs> because the Aboriginal people had no use for it, so they they just got there and were like, what "The fuck are you guys doing?" <laughs> Before we go into the next bit, uh, just rehearse for me how you're going to bring up the YouTube tune a bit to a friend to to a new acquaintance. <laughs> At a dinner yeah. party this weekend. Sure. So you're standing around okay. with a bunch of men. You've each got craft beers in your hand. Yeah. Somebody, somebody... Let's say there's like a ch- there's a hum of conversation at the yeah. table and then I go, everyone, excuse me, <laughs> do, this, do the speech giving tap on my glass. <laughs> so it's not, just, it's not just your circle of men standing around. No, I want everyone. I ding, want ding, everyone ding, on board. And then you'll ding, hop, ding, ding, ding. hop up on your soapbox. Yeah, and, and then say, say, first of all, Janet and Rob, thanks so much for having us here this evening. It's been lovely. Uh, the Ozo Buko was to die for. Now, has anyone heard the song? <laughs> Beautiful day by you two. Beautiful day and everyone's going to go, you too. yeah, I love, I can love you too. I love Bono. It's so good. Yeah. And I'll go, fuck. 
fuck, you guys are pretty mid. Anyway, <laughs> the what I want you to ask yourselves is, is there a reference to tuna in that song? Or is that is that giving it away too much? Maybe no, I'll that's say, the, that's what you say. Yeah. You say yeah. you you say or you can just say I just want everybody to realize that that song c- contains the word tuna fi- as in tuna fish even though mm. you all think that it doesn't and everyone <laughs> and then say and then just sit down again. <laughs> Stony faced. <laughs> Or just mic drop and leave the party. (laughs) (laughs) Quietly getting my things. And they're all just like, "Um, does it? And then, no, what you you can do, what you could do, John, is you could just say it. And then you could kind of, you could mic drop and start slowly walking out of the party. And everyone's scratching their head going, what the fuck's he talking about? And then you just turn your head around before you walk out the gate and you go, it's in the bridge, guys. And just keep on walking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it's say, been there. guys, guys, it's in the bridge. So it lasts. It's, it's always been there. Canyon's broken by clouds. It comes after that, and just leave the party. And everyone's gonna go. Oh, oh my god! What? <laughs> and then them say, a story they'll tell for the rest of their lives. And then say, what else? What else have we overlooked? Hey, eh? what mm. else have we missed? Yeah. What else has been Makes right think, in front of us it? the whole time? Hey? And that's just beautiful day. I'm so. looking at you, Craig. I'm looking at you, Craig. With <laughs> and we all we all love to have a drink. Sometimes, yeah. It's, sometimes it gets the better of us, doesn't it? So let's maybe think about that as well. Yeah. So you guys, Not you, Janet, you're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> now, John, that was my very odd intro to the show. I love that. I love that you <laughs> focused on that during the week. Speaking of music, about, it's perhaps... Uh, yeah, go on. Uh, no, no, you finish. I was just going to say, I think about that all the time. I love, and I've said it to people for years. I often, at dinner mm. parties, I just go, hey, do you guys know that you, Beautiful Day by You 2 has the word tuna, as in tuna fish? And people go, no, it doesn't. I know that song really well. And then you prove it mm. to them. And people's lives change in front of your eyes. And I love that. <laughs> but yeah, you were saying, speaking of music. Speaking of music, I saw... Recently, a concert by pianist and composer Ludovico Einaudi. Some of our listeners, particularly the Italian listeners, might know who that is. He's he's done a lot of music for film and TV and commercials. So he did, I think it's as far back as 2006, he did This Is England. He scored oh, that. Yeah. He did the I'm Not There. He did Black Swan trailer. He did the, he did the music for Ricky Gervais's Derek, Nomad oh, yeah. Land. So he's done heaps of stuff. And I got tickets to go and see him as a one of Jacinta's presents for Christmas, I think it was. And it was lovely. It was out in the Sydney Maya Music Bowl, which is an outdoor, you know, sort of an outdoor amphitheater, I guess. And it was under the stars. And he was playing this beautiful, very film scorey type piano. And towards the end of the show, he paused. He'd paused a few times just to engage in chit chat with the audience and he said something like in his italian accent about how you know how glad they were to be here and how much they loved us coming out and someone said something affectionate back to him in italian Ah. so that was a very sweet moment but but about half a second after they'd said that so he smiled i don't know what they said probably i love you and you're Mm. wonderful 
And about half a second later, someone just yelled from the other side of the audience, turn your bloody phones off. Because <laughs> everyone, everyone had been holding their phones up. <laughs> and he was just about to do, you know, the last few songs. And they were just, they, they really belted it out. Turn your phones off. And then everyone was kind of awkwardly chuckling and Ludovico had this bemused look on his face and then just continued. And I thought, maybe that person is a don't praise the machine listener because that's, we've complained about overuse of phones. The cursed rectangle. Yeah. And I got to tell you, people did put their phones away because they just were kind of shamed into it. And yeah. I thought, that man's a local hero and he, he should be celebrated. And uh, it's, it made me think, because, I mean, we've all thought that at concerts where you think, why don't you just listen to this instead of proving to all your friends that you're at this concert, you know, putting it on stories or whatever. Yeah. Just be present. And uh, and he was a hero of being present, putting the putting the cursed rectangle in your pocket and listening to Ludovico's piano. So I salute that man. But also speaking of beautiful days, I wanted to tell you about my very special day yesterday. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned in passing, I think, one of the activities that I partook in yesterday. I think what's happened is that I've been spending a lot of time on the podcast with you. We've been doing tracking how the reels have been going. I sent out a newsletter. Yeah. Uh, or we, we sent out a newsletter to our listeners this week. If you haven't signed up to the uh, for the newsletter, it's you can do so at dptm.org. But that was a very enjoyable activity, putting that together and, you know, watching your reels really take flight. And I think it's beginning to change me in ways that I don't quite recognize in myself. And I realized this yesterday <clears throat> that I was becoming a kind of Silicon Valley weirdo <laughs> because I... <laughs> I went, started off the day, went to All Press Espresso in Collingwood. Some of our listeners, I think All Press has a pretty good presence in the UK. Yeah. Started my day there, normal enough, but I didn't eat anything because I was having a low-calorie fasting day. So that's already a little bit kind of Silicon Valley culture. Yeah. I caught up with a friend of mine. <clears throat> then I went to my co-working space in Collingwood, which is in a converted <laughs> boot factory. And then... When I was finished working for the day, I took the tram to Northcote, which is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, and I went to a place called Gravity Flotation, which is a place that offers a variety of services, but one of the main things they do is allow you to use flotation tanks, sometimes called sensory deprivation tanks, and I thought, I'm going to have an hour-long tank float, and... <laughs> I, so I went in, took my kit off, and then climbed into this thing, which kind of looks like a science fiction giant potty, basically. It looks like a giant potty with fluorescent lights in it. And you close the lid, and you turn the light off, and you just lie there for an hour, and the water that you're bathing in suspends you because it's very salty, and you can't see anything. You can't really feel the water because it's room temperature, and you have lots of weird, you, you drift into a kind of half-awake stupor and have lots of weird loopy daydreams. And I thought, 
for me, this is going to really unlock some good bits for the podcast <laughs> and good ideas for the podcast. And then I was I was meeting up with the well, the guy I had coffee with that morning also was a um, was talking to me about his weeks because he's Jewish and he celebrates the the Sabbath, so he kind of has a non screen day on Saturdays. And I thought that'd be great if I was to have a secular equivalent of that where I just turned all the lights off on Friday night and, you know, had a candlelit dinner, got up the next day, didn't look at screens at all, all day until Saturday night. And then I thought, imagine if I was just doing that on Saturday and then having my fasting and flotation days on (laughs) Thursdays and Mondays and imagine the kind of Steve Jobs-esque guru I'd turn into. I'm, I'm surprised what possessed you to do the flotation tank. Well, I've done it a few times before, oh. but I hadn't done it for many years, probably at least six or seven years. And, But I remember really enjoying it. And last year I bought a few friends passes to go and do it. And one of them... Instead of go-karting. Yeah, exactly. Laser, thought, instead of laser tag or go-karting. It's a kind of insulting gift, isn't it? Because it's like, you, I just want you to do, I want you to feel obliged to go to this place and do literally nothing for an hour in it, just float in salt water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and one of them hasn't been able to use it. So I thought, well, in the meantime, I can always buy them another one later, but in the meantime, I might just use that pass. And also because I was fasting, you know, I got, and it just prevents you from doing anything fun at the end of the day because yeah. you, you can't punctuate it with a meal or going out and seeing people. And there's only so many episodes of X-Files I can watch <laughs> on SBS. So I thought this will fill in some time. I'll just float around for an hour. And i got to tell you, it does. it is really nice. Like, there's something that happens to your brain which makes you feel extreme. I don't know if it's also the salt. It makes you feel extremely refreshed afterwards. Oh wow! I wouldn't and have expected that. I would have thought. I, I thought the. I would have thought that the value in it is the experience that you have during, and that you mm. go into some. What's your brain doing? Yeah, I mean, because you can't see anything, and because you can't really feel. I mean, you can feel the water, but it's you know just this. It's just body temperature, and you don't have to you know paddle around because it's all it's salty enough that it just suspends you gently. So you're not really getting any inputs, which has a surprisingly quick effect on at least my brain because I think I can't really tell where my body is in space. Mm. You feel very much like you're just floating in darkness. And often what will happen is I'll, I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but I remember this happening the last couple of times I used it as well. I'll go to sleep for the first, you know, maybe 15 minutes and then you wake up. But when you wake up, it's not as though you really are doing anything. You're just staring into the blackness. So then you're in this sort of half awake state where you feel like you're awake, but your brain is almost acting as though you're dreaming. And it's interesting. And then I often feel even this morning and certainly for hours afterwards, I just felt extremely refreshed and kind of energized and clear in my head. And I got into an Uber and I realized that I'd forgotten to, have a shower afterwards, which you're meant to do because it, you're just covered in fine salt particles, which as you dry off, just make you, I mean, the guy must have just thought I had psoriasis and dandruff <laughs> or something. I was just, 
leaving this leaving this chalky outline of my body in his Uber. So I'm sorry if, if you're listening, but um, I recommend it. Flotation, Gravity Flotation, show sponsors, get yourself up to High Street Northcote and have a float. Apparently the guy that started it, that particular one, is a real float head and he <laughs> does flotations that sometimes go for as long as, I don't know, nine or ten hours. I don't know how you do it. I think I'd have a, I'd completely detach from reality if I was in there for that long and I'd never quite be the same person again. You just ex- You just live in, have your consciousness live in float. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and all my skin just sloughs off gradually into the <laughs> tank. John, are you ready to hear about something that I want to say on you? I can't wait. <laughs> you know how people often talk about things that we do, that we, people often talk about things that we do as a society currently that we will mm-hmm. look back on in years mm. to come and we will think, I can't believe that we did that. Often they think, I can't believe that humans were so cruel or I can't believe that humans mm. were so stupid. Because what the way this tends to go is you you look at things that we used to do, you know, you, it's funny, the, the pace of society, particularly in the West, the way that attitudes yeah. change is actually quite rapid. I mean, you can look at 10 years ago and, and attitudes, accepted attitudes are quite different. And the, 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 you go yeah. back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you go back 50 mm. years and it's pretty different to how it was now. And there were definitely behaviors and attitudes that were going on 50 years ago that you just go, I cannot believe that yeah. people used to do that. Mm. Um, you know, it's, <clears throat> it was pretty commonplace back in the day that certain certain uses of violence and prejudice against certain groups of people were just totally commonplace. And I know yeah. John is thinking <laughs> guilty. He heard ju- violence and prejudice and John thought, guys, <laughs> guilty yeah. as charged. Guilty as I'm charged. A, I'm a bit of a dinosaur in that respect. <laughs> no, I read an article recently, which is, which was about caning at schools. And I thought, I cannot yeah. believe. Yeah. I mean, the, the my dad was caned. Your recently, dad? that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. He would have been caned. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Wild. one of these really leapt out at me this week when I was sitting at the train station and something mm. came out that we're doing at the moment. It's very odd and it doesn't come <laughs> up that often, but it just popped yeah. into my consciousness and I thought, what are we doing here? So I was listening to a podcast and somebody used the analogy of a greyhound chasing a mechanical rabbit. And then mm. moved on. And they no doubt the analogy had to do with performing some sort of pointless and exhausting task and yeah. not understanding the futility of said task. And yeah. that was the first thing that hit me. And then the second thing that hit me was, hmm, tricking dogs into chasing mechanical rabbits <laughs> for the purposes of gambling and public spectacle is pretty yeah. fucking odd. <laughs> and and then I just thought, this is not like how is this happening? now that it's one of those things that you just accept but i felt like if you take a future person in Mm. 20 years and you Mm. take them to the greyhound track and you go yeah we used to trick these dogs into thinking that a (laughs) rabbit was real that little furry (laughs) rabbit and it would spin around the track mechanically and then people would would gamble on it and they'd go what the (laughs) fuck were you doing that's mental (laughs) and yeah totally and 
it just I had a little bit of a look at the history. I actually got this from a British website, which I think it's is itself a Greyhound track, which is called Oxford Stadium. So Greyhound Racing has its roots yeah. in some ancient sport which is called coursing. Mm-hmm. And Greyhounds would chase and hunt live prey. And it dates back to the Greek and Roman empires. And then in nineteen twelve an American mm. inventor named Owen Patrick Smith invented the first mechanical lure to replace live animals, making the sport more there humane. And no, that was de- a progressive step, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, um, and yeah, so it usually involves today. It now involves a fluffy or cloth item attached to an arm, which is mm. mounted on a motorized vehicle or rail that travels around the track. And the goal is to mimic the movement of live prey. To entice the greyhound's innate desire to chase, uh, mm. the speed and motion of the mechanical hair, because it's often a rabbit, are deliberately designed to maintain a tantalizing, uncatchable distance ahead of the fastest greyhound. Mm. And I loved this. And then I just started thinking, <laughs> what if I'm in a conversation with someone at a dinner party yeah. Yeah. and they mention, or I'm out at a pub? Get chatting to some guy. He says, oh, I'm just in from out of town. I don't live here. I say, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I'm actually on a business trip for a conference because my company manufactures mechanical rabbit systems for greyhound racing. And I'm just like, yeah. what? Because obviously that's <laughs> like a company that makes these fucking things. And then I found one. It's called safechase.com.au. And wow. they, they make them. That makes them. That's wow. the job. Yeah. They make the mechanical rabbit that greyhounds have to chase. Mm. And imagine it, the meetings at that company. <laughs> <laughs> but it also did get me thinking about the general question, which is, of course, what might we be doing wrong now that future mm. generations will look back at in disgust? Yeah. So that's the first thing that I put into Google. I thought <laughs> I put into Google, what might be we doing wrong? What might we be doing wrong right now that the future generations will look back at in disgust? And Cora was the first one that came up. Uh, and yeah. so these are a bunch of answers that people gave from Cora. Oh, interesting. Things that we're doing yeah. at the moment that in years to come back, in years to come, humans, particularly our children, our grandchildren, will look back and go, oh, my God, you used to do that. You What's wrong with you people? Crazy. First one that yeah. came up on Cora, yeah. letting people drive. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. You'd and say to people, you'd say what when we've got when we got automated cars, people will go. You just entrusted the human brain to drive at one hundred and twenty kilometers an hour. Yeah, and then they'd say, surely, surely people had accidents, and you'd go, mm. I guess that happened occasionally, and they'd go, What do you mean occasionally? How occasionally? <laughs> and you'd yeah. go, Well, in the year twenty twenty three in Australia, which has a population of yeah. twenty two million people, uh, in the year twenty twenty three. There were 12,666 deaths on Australian roads, and that's not counting all all of the injuries. We just let 12,666 Australians die in a single year Mm. from road road accident fatalities, and people will go, wild. What the fuck? And you'd go, but yeah, but I mean, we got to places so fast. It was so good. It's like when you hear about Victorian England and they go, you know, that says, you know, people just used to die. I mean, this still happens, obviously, in parts of the world now. And 
quite quite a lot. But you know, when you think about these places where people just used to die because the smog was so terrible that it just used to kill people if there was a bad fog, and you think, <laughs> why didn't you stop that? And they just they would have just been like, well, you know, make it makes cool stuff. I mean, it is incredible. To, it is incredible to think the the value. The, 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 the bargain is the value yeah. that driving offers the world we've decided yeah. as a people is worth the amount of carnage that it creates. Sure. But, it, but when you stop and think about the amount of carnage, it is, it's massive. It's like it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number, number two, which people think will be pretty weird, which again, I, I can relate to this one quite a lot because this was me and this was you. And it does seem super odd now, even though it's still going on. Indoctrinating children to believe in some religion. Mm, That's pretty weird. Like when you see an old man, a spooky old man telling (laughs) young children whose critical brains have not developed, basically like explaining to them that there's a sort of conscious man type figure in the sky that controls everything yeah. and watches them all the time and has a weird set of puritanical values that it insists everybody lives by or be yeah. or be sent to eternal damnation in a fiery pit to, in the ground i remember being very young and and learning about the differences between purgatory and hell going you know if you do something quite bad you'll burn for a thousand years but if it's real bad which can include things like lying or stealing not that bad but you know you'll just burn for eternity and what's and my little brain was just falling out of its my ears in church going (laughs) eternity so even when it's like a billion years i that's not even a thing because it could be another Hundred billion years, and I still haven't. Like, I'm not going to finish. Yeah, ever. What is the? And what? then I thought, but I still sinned. That's how much I enjoyed sinning. Hey, <laughs> you didn't even. You knew what the yeah. constant, the eternal consequence was going to be. Yeah, and you're like, and I was like, reckon I'll just grab this pack of Maltesers before I leave the milk bar. Fuck it, <laughs> not pay for it. <laughs> What's the deal with? How bad are the conditions in purgatory? I, I can remember they... spooks, like spooky lost ghost figures going, oh, I'm, I'm between two worlds. It's not very comfortable. Yeah, I'm not sure, actually. There's probably some, I don't know what the current the current uh, best practice is in terms of understanding what happens in purgatory, whether it's just hell, but it's time limited, or is it also less shit than hell yeah and then there's limbo which is that is another for, one is that is there yeah, a difference between purgatory and limbo i think i think limbo's been it's kind of off closed it's it's a bit off market now limbo is closed limbo is closed <laughs> closed for renovations but certainly people in my in our parents grandparents generations would have still believed in limbo and that's why you have anxiety around getting your baby baptized ASAP because if yes. that baby dies and it's not baptized it goes to limbo which i think is just not bad but not good it's kind of like that weird realm in the matrix where you're just walking around in a white space yeah having chats and you're like this would have been better if i'd been if i'd had water on my head and been <laughs> accepted into heaven but it's fine i guess just a, Infant crawling around an empty space for eternity. 
<laughs> uh, number three is probably the one that most people cite when asked yeah. this question, which is eating sentient creatures and our mm. treatment of them prior to yeah. us eat the kind of lives they live so that we may feast on their body. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, an and products one, as well. So, like, you know, the, the dairy industry's probably not a great mm. life neither. But, yeah, bacon, beef. Mm. Ooh, my mouth's starting to water. What about stuff like foie gras? I love that because you go, so are you content to just that, that there's birds just having, just being force-fed so that in your, in your French bistro you can go, yeah, that's pretty bad, but so delicious. I yeah, you imagine saying bread. that to your grand when your grandson Plonk mm. is asking you when Plonk says, "Pop," when Plonk says, "Papa, what was your favorite food?" and you'd say, "Oh, fucking love a bit of foie gras," and then yeah, Plonk, and Plonk will say, "How was that, mate?" and you'd say, "Well, what you do." <laughs> Is you take a goose and Plonk's going, yeah. oh, I like the sound of this already. I love geese. They're so beautiful and pretty. And you go, then you turn it upside down and you tie <laughs> it all up. And you, Plonk's going, hmm, okay. I don't like where this is going, but is continue. Okay. No, and it's then not you okay at all. Stick a fourth of funnel into the goose's mm. mouth upside down. And Plonk's mm. going, what kind of grandfather is this? And then you force yeah. feed of that goose so it's, it gets real fat liver. So fat, <laughs> way sick. fatter than it would ever be because it would never consume that much yeah. food to get a liver that fat. But that fatty liver is what's going to make that foie gras, that plonk real your good. grandfather loved so dear when he'd go on mm. Parisian holidays. Mm. And I also just love, I love marbled beef, which is made... From beef that are not allowed to exercise properly, <laughs> and <laughs> and I love just going into restaurants where I'd go, yeah, I'll have the that lobster which is probably twice my age, and it's just been sitting there, having a vivid inner life, but in a very small tank for since time immemorial, and then I'll have it plucked out and cooked this very night. Because alive. I love fresh lobster. Mm. Yeah, cooked alive. And Plonk is just white as a sheet. And I say, <laughs> fuck you, softies. <laughs> Can't take it anymore. No, I say, f- how do you know that your fucking kale isn't conscious? <laughs> 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 number four, prioritizing profit uh, and over the quality of, of life, I guess. Prioritizing profit and individual quality of life over... Oh, sisters, prioritize profit and individual quality... I should have read this before. Prioritizing profit and individual quality of life over general quality of life. I'm not really sure if that's the best way of expressing that. I guess no. I guess somebody's saying that we might look back... Mm. I, I, I've heard other people saying this as well, is that we may look back on a human's value being very much connected to their job yeah. essentially yeah. as being a bit weird that totally that if yeah. you go you know we were humans and you know what was the first thing that you did when you met a person you asked them what they do because that's how you mm. assess their value yeah which is a fr- fairly recent thing i mean it used to be a point of pride for people that they did not work in a at least in a kind of you know eight hour a day job because they didn't have to they grew tomatoes and they wrote books and yeah. they, they went to balls uh so i think we should 
the sooner we have the robots doing our bidding, the better, because we can all get back to that kind of lifestyle. But it is funny, isn't it, when you think, I mean, I often think when I drive through country Victoria, there is a time, there is a, you know, that as you get further and further from the big city, the towns kind of can get smaller and smaller and smaller until they're sort of a couple of hundred people. And if you're in a town of a couple of hundred people and someone is doesn't have a home, you can't really just let them wander around homeless yeah. or like desperately mentally ill. But then if you add a thousand more houses, people are just <laughs> like, oh, that's not my problem anymore, is it? That's true. Um, Isn't that strange? Yeah. That, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a country town where there's just mm. a totally crazy person just mm. walking and in front just, of traffic and you're just parting the curtains and going, Oh, Bill, it's Bill. Should we just we can't just leave him. Yeah. And then but then in Melbourne I just walk down Sydney Road and there's someone who's not well at all and people are just like it's just another Saturday on Sydney Road, isn't it? Yeah. The- and that's why I say don't think twice. It's, yeah. She, what's mm. the what's the one? Is there a, is there a line? Is there a another day in paradise line about somebody being? Mm-hmm. There's certainly one about somebody being homeless. I don't think there's there's a line. Yeah. He was out to the man. There's somebody being homeless. Sir, mm. can you help me? me. It's cold and I've nowhere to sleep. There's a there's a something in the bridge about foie gras. I'm pretty sure. I, I've uh, this is gives this gives me a good opportunity to to do this. Uh, tell me if, tell me if this works, John, because this is a new yeah. feature that I'm adding to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Oh, think twice, because <laughs> it's another day for you and me in paradise. Oh, wow. think twice, because <laughs> it's another day for you. And me in paradise. How was that? That worked? Beautiful. Yeah, I felt like that was, it was 3 a.m. and we ended our evening in a karaoke bar. <laughs> That's my new reverb unit that I've added because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always upscaling. The podcast, yeah, I'm always I think that's what we po- need. I'm always upscaling the podcast. Also, this, I'm we send. do need us need to get more soundboardy. I think, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I'm looking forward to. Obnoxious and annoying, <laughs> obnoxious and annoying soundboardy. I'm going to do one more for you, and this is actually a shout out to my brother because this is based on a famous meme that I love, which I'm just going to go triple double check, triple double check, check, triple double check, check, triple double check, check, triple double double check, 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 That's lovely. Thank you. Yeah, I remember that. Is it like a prank call? What's the context? It's a prank call of a guy. I'm going to, I should put the link in the show notes and tell people just, just, uh, YouTube prank called Dougal, like Dougal Music Store, or just Google prank mm-hmm. called Double Triple Double Check. It's a guy <laughs> who rings a music store. This is this is almost probably fifteen, maybe even twenty years ago. This prank call, a guy calls a music store, and he has yeah. a particular voice effector in front of him that he's running his voice through as he makes the call, and he just asks. 
he keeps asking them from, from for a, for a particular song. He's asking them if they have it, but he can't remember the name of the song. And he just keeps saying, "It's that song, you know." It goes triple, double check, double, triple, double check, and he runs it through <laughs> delay and reverb and the people on the other line. I just going what. It, what is this? I don't know that. Someone goes, yeah, you do. It's really popular. It goes triple, double, check, <laughs> double, 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 check. And it's very funny. So just look up uh, Dougal, double check good. or prank call, double check. And John, this is number five as well from Cora. This one spoke to me. Have you ever spoken? Oh, wow, there's more. Yeah. Uh, this one, I'll make this the last one. This one was our education system, which I thought is interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't really spoken about the education system much on the podcast. Somebody had written... We stuff our kids into rooms for a quarter of their lives and have them listen to ill-equipped teachers impart information that is quickly forgotten, largely irrelevant, and is readily available in more digestible and engaging form, taught by experts Mm. or on demand on the internet. This is a huge travesty, especially for all the little Einsteins and Mozarts whose creativity are currently squashing Mm. out in our schools. And I do think school is one of those other ones. The traditional school structure... Which, again, you just accept. You just go, this is obviously yeah. how you learn. And yeah. then, you know, I've been teaching my, myself a lot of other things in my adult life. And I'm going, I don't yeah. think that is really how you learn. <laughs> no, it's funny. Somebody, a friend of mine said recently, do you think I should go back and do a master's? And I said, the only reason you'd do that probably is if you enjoyed it. Yeah. Or if you were trying to network or if you thought it was really good to pimp up your CV with that particular qualification. Because if you're just wanting the actual content, then I would just probably read some stuff and subscribe to some people's substacks and, you know, go to a few (laughs) private courses that you're going to pay $200 for instead of $45,000 for a master's. And, uh, And you'll learn just about as much. And... I mean, I spent nine years at university, so I didn't really take that advice. But back then, it was a different world, and you had to kind of go through those channels. But yeah, I think the time is coming fast that we will we'll think differently about that. But you know, if it wasn't for school, I don't know where are going where are people going to learn about playing handball or keeping their shirt tucked in, having their socks pulled up. <laughs> Yeah, where are they? You know, did we? How many religion lessons did we have a week? Again, again, that's another well, thing that you accept when you're in school. And I look back mm. at that that we that my parents were paying a lot of money for me to yeah. go into a room, you know, probably several times a week, yeah, and have them talk about a bunch of spooky supernatural <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, that's, that's pretty true. weird. And every every class, if I'm not mistaken, began oh, with a prayer. Yes, I think we've mentioned that before. That again is and, and still does because I think my wacky. cousins. I asked oh, my cousins wow. the Schultzes, and I think they said that's still happening. That you have mm. to speak to the spooky imaginary man in the sky yeah. before you're allowed to learn anything. What if you went to a school and every class began with <laughs> just a little crack on the Ouija board, and you said, "This is just our thing." <laughs> We're just every, summoning Satan every, every class. <laughs> every class begins with chanting. Before you can learn yeah. uh, learn about algebra, first we need a little Ouija board who, and a little bit of chanting. Is, what is your name? <laughs> yeah, okay, it's Jim. Do you? Are you sad? I, yes. re- I release the guys who mm. we're going to release somebody before algebra. 
We've got to release. Yeah. Okay, that's been 10 minutes. We better just quickly teach you some, <laughs> some reading and then we'll get back to releasing Jim. John, before <laughs> we end this cast, have you got anything else on your schlag pad that you can cram in? Yeah, how long in, have we in, been? Into our, into the um, allocated amount of trial minutes that we have on apps, on squad <laughs> on, this new, on this new thing. How many trial minutes do we have? I'll Tw- try and 12. find some 12. Okay. Yeah. I do have something that's a nice, I call it a 12 minute. I'm going to save a little bit of a surprise for next week. And I don't know, maybe I'll give you, a, maybe I'll give the audience a little bit of a teaser. It concerns a Super Bowl ad that caught my attention. Okay. I watched the, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. So I hope I've seen this. And I won't go into that this week because it's a little bit more of a deep dive into that ad. But one thing I thought I'd do as a kind of naked ploy to get people to watch the video version of the podcast is offer a tour around the, it's a bit like that podcast, A History of the World in 100 Objects. This is a history of my study in 100 Objects. And I thought I'd start by, I thought I'd just do a quick show and tell with a particular object that people might enjoy yeah this is good. excuse I like me this. for a moment um just one sec sure Let's see if i can reach it everybody that's not on the video version John yeah is- maybe i'll describe it at least but you won't obviously get the same experience as you would if you were watching now everyone who is watching can see that yes it's a it's a Basically, it's a ceramic turkey, and <laughs> it's about the size of a kind of planter box because I think that's its intended purpose, although I'm not really sure. And as you can see, it's particularly hideous, uh, <laughs> and it has this kind of slimy giblets coming <laughs> off its beak, and it's, it's like a weird folk art. It's very elaborately made, and it's got this little pit in the middle, which I use to chuck the matches in when I light the incense in my study rather than having to go to the bin and put the match in every time. But Jacinta won't let me have it anywhere else in the house because it grosses her out and I've tried to put it around the house just mostly just to annoy her and she always just puts it back (laughs) and it's universally hated by everyone except me. My brother and I, years ago, my brother Tom were on a bit of a road trip in New England and we, and we came across, this might have been in Vermont or Massachusetts, a yard sale in a small town. And I thought saw this turkey and thought that's a great bit of American folk art and yeah. I want it for myself. Now, that in itself is, is a story worth telling, but it, I was made to think of the turkey recently because I was watching a special on Netflix called The Murder Murders, which is about a South Carolina family, prominent legal family that got caught up in this murder saga. Some people might remember that. There was this weird incident where the guy claimed that somebody random had assailed him on the side of the road and shot him. It turned out he had tried to pay this guy to end his life and he was like he had, you know, he'd been embezzling money from his law firm. He's now been convicted of killing his his two members of his family. So it was a fascinating tale, but there was a bit in it where after the trial, I think it was, they were selling, they were doing like a auction of his 
estate because, you know, he was just getting rid of all his stuff because I guess he was paying for legal fees or whatever. And his wife had died under suspicious circumstances. So they were getting rid of all their possessions and they were zooming around the the sort of auction house and I saw a few seconds of this turkey and I'll show it to you actually if you bear with me for one sec. I've just got to put turkey into my search terms on WhatsApp. There we are. And I will forward this to you on WhatsApp. And maybe we can put this up on the socials. Oh, yeah. Okay. Murder murders. Yeah. It's a very similar. Don't worry about the caption. Just look at that image. It's very similar looking turkey. You can see it's almost like it was created by the same artisan. So now I'm wondering what's, why have I, like, is this an art movement that I just was not aware of? ceramic turkeys and and i have this weird thing in common with this woman who was possibly murdered by her husband uh as part of his bizarre cover-up of his embezzlement activities so that was a nice little twist and now i mean i think that documentary's got to have elevated the value of my ceramic turkey so <laughs> if anyone wants to make me an offer give me a shout but that's just a little bit of show and tell from the office of john maloney Esquire. That was serial faster and floater and <laughs> digital Sabbath taker. <laughs> John, thank you so much. Not only for that bit, but for all the bits that you've offered in the show today. And I want to say thanks. Yeah, it sounds to... like you're about to fire me. <laughs> we really appreciate your contribution over these years. <laughs> we think it's reached a natural end. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I want to also say thank you to everybody at Squadcast for allowing us mm. to have a one-hour-long trial. I really liked this. Very generous. It went well. Squadcast <laughs> could be a show sponsor. I believe that they've just partnered with Descript, which is a very popular <laughs> online audio editing platform that actually is very good for editing video as well. So I think, I feel like maybe if this recording doesn't screw up, then we are going to go with Squadcast. And I want to mm. say to everybody, have a great rest of the week. I'm going to push a little bit of reverb up on my voice now because that's how we go. I'm going to extend the tail on my voice a little bit now because that's not <laughs> annoying at all. And John, I'm coming to you as a voice of Gord. And I want to say, John, do you have anything you want to say before the end of the show this week? I'd like to reiterate your thanks to the people, good people at Squadcast and to the people at Zencaster. I just want to say, hopefully, <laughs> this means that you won't take people for granted because we used your product. We got a great offer from Squadcast. And we took it because uh, all's fair in love and commerce and we've got to look after ourselves. So, you know, it's a competitive market. Uh, and I'm sorry because I, was, I made a few friends there over <laughs> our time using that product. And that's, that's tough, but that's business. Beautiful. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Alexander Holland out.
John Maloney out. This is Don't Praise the Machine, the podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and you can see John Maloney's beautiful ceramic turkey. Go to YouTube and just put in Don't Praise the Machine, the podcast, and we're going to come straight up. Thank you so much, everybody, and we can't wait to see you next week. Uh, Podcast.